Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. All right, hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Not On Your Side Sports Talk Podcast. We've got a great show for you as we get set for Pirate Baseball. We're going to talk a lot about East Carolina baseball and generalities, so this thing will uh, have a shelf life of about a month, I guess, because uh, we'll see how this Pirate Baseball team does in their first month. But opening day is coming up in just a couple of days, actually coming up tomorrow. Joining us for our podcast is Jason Boyd with the website at WNCT, Ken Watlington, who's our main anchor at WNCT, and Malcolm Gray who is in his 20th overall year with the Sports Information Department at East Carolina, his 17th year full-time, and uh, he does baseball for the Sports Information side of East Carolina Athletics. And Malcolm joins us via the phone. Malcolm, how are you? I'm doing great, Brian. hope you guys are doing well tonight. The big question is, Malcolm, are you ready for baseball? <laughs> uh, yes, yes and no. I'm ready for it because I'm ready to uh, get out there and uh, be uh, you know, kind of where my home away from home is, which is Clark Claire Stadium, but – if I could get a like another additional day just to get prep work, I'd be happy with that. But like a friend told me yesterday, Friday's going to be here when Friday gets here, so I better be ready one way or the other. Yeah, you sound like Coach Palumbo. I talked to him on Monday, and he said, <laughs> "You know, most years I think we're all ready to go, but this year I'd like to have a couple of extra days." But you know, it's funny, and coaches say that all the time. They know the calendar's there. They know what day they have to be ready for. But most of the time, coaches will say, "I'd like to have a day or two extra." So you're the same way. Malcolm is the 46th recipient of the prestigious Russell D. Anderson Wilbur Snip Award, and that's given to the the, uh, by the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association to the outstanding contributor to college baseball. It's a big-time award, Malcolm, and I know that uh, that you have that trophy and you're very proud of it. Yes, sir, I am. I, I, I was uh, shocked but definitely honored. Um, you know, you think about how many uh, people who have uh, made an impact on college – who have made an impact on college baseball, you know, from the media relations side of things – uh, you know, some of the, the past award winners. Um, it's very humbling, but I'm very honored to be, you know, recognized with that group for the small part that I that I helped play in college baseball. All right, we're going to throw it around the room. Uh, and just uh, the question will be, what do you think of when you think of East Carolina baseball? And, and we'll start with Jason because he's to my left. But, but when you think of pirate baseball, what do you think about well, I think the main thing is just how much it's grown and progressed. I can remember, you know, way back when with uh, the previous coaches and such about, you know, this was a program that was trying to establish itself and it was still recognized as a football school. You know, I can remember in the 80s and 90s of playing the Florida States and Miamis and stuff and that always garnered the attention. And then it seemed like somewhere along the way, ECU baseball sort of jumped out a little bit more so and got a little bit more recognition and certainly, you know, from uh, the coaching staff and the players and certainly what Cliff has done now is quite amazing. So that's, I think, the thing I think about the most is that, you know, when I went to uh, college there back in the uh, 80s and 90s, it was a football school and you didn't really think about the other sports. Maybe men's basketball was interesting to see David Robinson and such come in. But now it's really become uh, you know, a football school that also involves baseball too. And baseball has really become the number two sport and the thing that collects uh, so much of the interest. And so that's the thing that really um, is the thing I think about the most. I'm surprised about the most is just the progression of the program in the last you know 10 years or so the closest that east carolina has made it to omaha ken wallington was there in lubbock texas at texas tech uh what do you think of when you think of, of baseball at east carolina i think of that for sure in you know my later stages of life but when i was a, a young 
kid playing Little League Baseball in Plymouth, North Carolina. Uh, our team loaded up the van and came over for a pirate baseball camp out at the old Harrington Field. Yeah, and I love was, that place. It was the biggest deal in the world because we had never been in a stadium that large in retrospect now compared to, you know, the current stadium. You know, it's, it was just basically just an old set of bleachers, but it was just a mecca for me of baseball. And I remember that uh, distinctly coming over, and it was just the biggest deal to have that pirate baseball camp T-shirt on out there, not playing great baseball because I wasn't very good, but it was still a memory that I carry with me today. When I went to college down at UNCW, uh, ECU and Wilmington were in the Colonial at the same time. And uh, I remember every year when ECU came to town, it was a big deal because they, yeah. they were big, big rival, big rivals back then. And, you know, as a college student, I was like, man, I, I want them to beat the crap out of these guys. Yeah. And now in my professional life, working here in Greenville in the WNCT, I want to see ECU do well because it it does, you know, it's a good thing for the city. It's a good thing for the university. It's a good thing for our job when ECU does well. So, you know, you mentioned being down in Lubbock and they were basically a one or two outs from going to the College World Series and, you know, a heartbreaking moment when it didn't happen. But to see them evolve and to be in the thick of the things year in and year out is amazing. And the reason that Ken was in Lubbock is because my son was getting married that weekend and why we schedule a wedding when the NCAA regionals and super regionals are going on, I don't know. And now he's divorced. So I'm oh. even more mad about the whole thing. But <laughs> it didn't even work out. And I didn't get a chance to go to Lubbock. But uh, Malcolm, you went to J.H. Rose High School. What are your first thoughts of Pirate Baseball? Well, when I, when I think of ECU baseball, you know, I, I think of kind of two things, the tradition and history that ECU has had going all the way back for Hal Baird to Coach yeah. Overton to Coach LeClaire to Randy Maisie, Billy Godwin, and currently Cliff Godwin. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough, my grandmother lived uh, across the street from uh, from where uh, uh, the deli shop is up here on the corner. And, you know, I'd sneak away, cross over the, the creek in the backyard, run across the street and go and uh, watch baseball games in the jungle, you know, at Harrington Field. So I think of the tradition and history of the coaches, the players, what uh, East Carolina has done, but also think of, you know, the jungle fun, the atmosphere, the fans, because that was my first moment, you know, going out there with my dad and, and watching the game from behind the wall, you know, where everybody had milk crate cartons and they cinder blocks, and that's where they <laughs> yeah. stood up to watch the game. And, uh, and to see where it's evolved now, and we got one of, you know, the best stadiums there is in the country that can hold, you know, 5,000 people, regional times comes. It's, uh, you know, being a Greenville boy and living his dream and working ECU baseball, working ECU athletics, but working baseball, which is my favorite sport. And to be able to, like I said, my home away from home starting Friday is in the press box at Clark LeClaire, but walking out and getting lineups, and there's 4,400, 4,500 people there ready for a regional. They're electric, and then when you find a way, battle, and you win the regional, celebrating with the team and coaches afterwards, the fans that you know, that's that's what I think about. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I said this to uh, the banquet the other night. I said one of the greatest sounds uh, that you'll ever hear sports-wise around East Carolina is when the Pirate baseball team is gathered around the dugout at a regional, getting set to hope, host the NCAA Greenville Regional, and they run on the field because the place is packed. Everybody's jacked up, ready to go for baseball, and it's uh, it's really just a great roar that you can hear all over Greenville from uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. And, and all the past success that 
East Carolina baseball had through the years, you know, led to the building of Clark LeClaire Stadium. And as you said, one of the nicest uh, places you can see baseball. We're kind of spoiled right here, uh, and they continue to add on to it. East Carolina ranked eighth in the nation in the preseason polls by collegiate baseball, 12th by the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, 13th by the USA Today poll and perfect game, and 12th by D1 Baseball. So, Malcolm, since you're in charge, which one of these rankings are we going to go with? I, I like number eight. <laughs> I, I like number eight. What, what I really do is uh, it, when when we have a baseball game, I look at, uh, you know, I'm kind of partial to, you know, D1 Baseball and the Baseball Writers Association. Obviously, I'm on, you know, the board for the Baseball Writers Association, and it's a lot of people who, uh, you know, SIDs who, and people who are involved with college baseball on a regular basis. So they get to see a lot of games. Um, obviously, USA Today, the coaches poll is a big one because there's, 20 to 30 coaches that vote on that. Um, I typically go with uh, with D1 baseball um, more than anything kind of now because that's what ESPN is aligned with, with all the stuff that they've grown with their college baseball platform. That's kind of what they go with. So uh, D1 baseball is kind of the one that uh, over the last couple of years I've been going with because – like I said, ESPN has grown their baseball platform so much. And that makes a lot of sense, too, because a lot of times when we're showing highlights and if we're saying eighth-ranked East Carolina and it comes up on the score, you know, the, the score bug number 12 East Carolina, you know, fans kind of get a little confused, and uh, and we don't want to confuse the fans. So we want to stick with yeah, it. Exactly. It's kind of like, uh, you know, all college football season, you're going with the AP, you're going with the AP, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, ESPN comes right. out with their – with their uh, their poll uh, for who's going to be the four teams in national championship, and then all of a sudden it's flipped, and that's what everybody goes with because that's what everybody sees. So that's kind of the mentality that I took with it. Jason, what do you guys through the years in the newspapers and stuff? What did you guys do? That's interesting because we used to have the UPI poll, right? Uh, and yeah. that was uh, yeah. kind of uh, an imbalance in a sense because uh, you, you had two different perspectives. And then, like you said, USA Today came around and they were trying to uh, institute their poll in a sense. And so you end up, you know, really with three polls, I guess, for college football. And then things kind of, you know, maturated back to uh, the two for college basketball. And then obviously baseball. It seems like you know everybody had a poll in, in, in some degree and such. So. So that's, that's kind of interesting that, that he was saying that because you're right, the UPI was the one that sort of was a rival poll for the AP for many years, and then they sort of faded away, and USA Today slid in, and now ESPN has slid in. So uh, you, you typically try to watch the AP, but the AP doesn't necessarily do one for college baseball. So I, I agree with Malcolm. That's a good perspective on how to uh, look at which way that you want to rank the team. Before we talk about this year's team, let's uh, revisit last year. One of the big thrills for us last year, Ken Wallington, was the fact that we had a chance to go live at the region. And and you did the news part of it, and I did the sports part of it. But just to see, you know, set up a tent and be outside the stadium and just the excitement, you kind of feel it, don't you? Yeah, and it was exciting from two different perspectives. Not only was ECU back hosting a regional, uh, baseball was back because the 2020 season was canceled in mid-March. And, and, you know, and then the 2021 season kind of started in a strange way with limited numbers of fans and all these protocols in place and these four-game conference series, you know, over three days in the weekend. and. And by the time we got to the regional, it's it's still not back to normal, you know, today. Right. But, uh, you know, back then it felt a little more like normal and it was a gorgeous day. And it, you're right. It was it was it was great for us to be able to set up and to and to just appreciate everything uh, that is pirate baseball, because the community really ra- uh, rallies around the team, uh, especially when they're doing well, even when they're not doing well, they rally around the team. It's just great support. One of the best uh, fan bases in the country. But to be out there that day and uh, and, and they got a win, too. So that was always yeah. good. 
And Malcolm, I think you'll agree, and you don't get to see some of that because you're busy working. But I think that 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 the way this town you know rallies around East Carolina, especially during a regional, I mean, there's a whole lot of support. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, for for me, like you said, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of the game. I'm working. You know, I always go back and I DVR all the games so I can go back and watch them and listen to what the announcers say. But yeah, I mean, the way the fan base has. Uh, you know, for ever since I've been working at ECU, um, you know, 17 years with uh, with the baseball team since 05. I mean, it's just it gets bigger, bigger every year. We, you know, obviously this year we sold out with season tickets um, for inside the stands and everything. And, and that just shows you how much passion and how much, uh, you know, everybody loves and rallies around this team. And, then, you know, we got a really good guy, you know, really good coaching staff and a really great guy and Cliff Godwin, who can develop players on the field, off the field, in the classroom, and in the community. You know, they graduate, with, you know, get their, their degrees. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're like household names to everybody. You, you walk out to the jungle, and you'll see, you know, Ryan Dilday with, from the uh, Megaphone yeah. guys. And they're, they're, uh, they know all the players' parents, so they get to hang out with the parents. So they get to know more about the kids than what a typical media person would. And they become – like an extended family, and that's the big thing I really like about it. Uh, let's talk about this year's team a little bit. When you look at the roster with the guys that the East Carolina lost from last year, and you look at that list and the Connor Norbys and the Thomas Franciscos and the Matt Bridges and Cam Colmores and, and, and Connor, I mean, just everybody on that list, and you think, wow, it's a rebuilding year. Then you look at what is coming back, and we don't even know anything about the new guys. I've read a little bit about them, but, but this is a loaded baseball team again, isn't it? It, it really is. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Cliff just reloads at, uh, at in, in Palumbo and, and Austin Knight and those guys. They just kind of reload with what they need. I, mean, I was looking yesterday, and I think we're sitting at, uh, it was like 13 new guys that are in, that are coming in this year, but yet you have 24 lettermen, so you got 24 guys who, who uh, played you know, significantly last year and contributed, and they've been part of a winning team, a team that's won a conference championship last year, a team that played in the regional hosted a regional, won the Greenville regional, played in uh, a super regional. I mean, you, you look at the breakdown right now, you got 14 freshmen, 17 sophomores, five juniors, four seniors. Mm. I mean, that, that's how it breaks down right now. And again, and again, a lot of the sophomores are, you know, they're what we call COVID sophomores and things like that. They've actually, like a Carson Wisenhunt, this is his third year with the team, but he's technically a sophomore. And then you look again, yeah, 16 newcomers. Um, 20, like I said, 24 guys who, who return and you just load up, load up, load up. And, and that's what good teams do. And, and Cliff has said this many times. And I know he's told you this, Brian, uh, when talking to the media that, you know, just because you're not one of the nine guys that are starting 10, if you include your DH, just cause you're not one of the 10 starting, you better be ready to start because you're no, your name and number can be called at any time. And that's what Cliff has been able to do and has done. Uh, his eight now born in his eighth year at ECU, and that's what builds, uh, you know, uh, a roster and, and gets everybody experience. So when you get in those dog days of uh, late in the season, things like that, 
you've got people who know what's going on. You don't skip a beat from one person to the next. And, and you know, I left Gavin Williams off that short list of guys that, that aren't returning. And, and obviously pitching is such a big key. Uh, when you look at, at this team, uh, Jason, I know you don't get a chance to follow it on a day-to-day basis, but, but you know, the scuttlebutt about how good this team is, what's that, that like? Yeah, that's, that's what's so interesting is that, you know, every – year is different obviously with the players that are coming back and everybody's talking about Carson Wilson Hunt and the uh, accolades he's receiving and such but the exciting thing is seeing those young athletes and see them mature into those potential superstars because really no one knew that much about Wilson Hunt before he you know became a a household name and there's been you know certainly others that have done the same thing too and so that's really the exciting part there's so many games to play there's so many series to play and you can see those stars kind of develop and kind of rise into uh, the next level and so that's really interesting like Malcolm said there's not not necessarily nine major players or 10 major players, but there are others that are loaded with talent. And it's really kind of interesting to see somebody who, you know, jumps out and has a big game or certainly rises to the occasion. So that's really the exciting part because it is such a young team. There are so many players like that that have the opportunity to kind of, you know, make a name for themselves pretty quickly. And that's really exciting to see because a lot of these kids we've seen on the high school level or read about in a lot of yeah. ways. And you want to be able to see how they make that transgression, how they make that progression up to the next level. And so that's really, to me, that's one of the most exciting things just to see some of these kids that, you know, take it to the next level and how good they do with that. And, and you know, you, you got to look around at these, these guys and say, who, who's the next Connor Norby? Because, you know, <laughs> Norby was in trouble with, yep. with Coach Godwin, wasn't he? At one point, <laughs> and he was in the doghouse and uh, he got things straight and he straightened things out. And, and Ken can, can talk about this a little bit. Uh, with so many guys, you know, advancing into to not major league baseball, but into the minor league systems, at least for yeah. now, you know, we spend a lot of our time in the summertime. Ken's really good about going through Twitter and he'll say, Hey, did you see this? And it'll be a, a former pirate that they got a triple to score a run to win a game or a home run or, you know, it, it's, and to me, the advent of, of Twitter and social media has really helped as far as we're concerned with, with things we can do because, you know, years past, if a guy went to the minors, unless we actually traveled to, to their site, you know, and yeah. did a story on them, you know, you didn't hear much about him. You hear a little bit, but you wouldn't see much about him. But now, I mean, you know, with, uh, with just what, what Alec Burleson did yeah. last year. I mean, every, every day yeah. I would come back from dinner and Wallington would say, Hey, Alec Burleson hit a home run. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or you gun somebody out. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was, was it awesome. Was, and there was always video of it. You know, 10 yeah. years ago, you know, before, you know, Twitter really took hold and before the MILB package, right? you know, you wouldn't get any video unless, you know, it was a local TV station maybe putting something out there. But now, you know, stuff is pretty, you know, instant on Twitter. You know, here's you know, walk-off home run with Alec Burleson, you know, and we'll have it on the 11 o'clock news. And, yeah. And that's just kind of unheard of uh, in our business maybe 10, maybe even less than 10 years ago. Yeah, it, it, it's all changed so much. Malcolm Gray, Sports Information Director for East Carolina, is joining us as we uh, wrap things up on this uh, podcast. Uh, Malcolm, what are your uh, thoughts about this season coming up? And what, you know, the Pirates have accomplished so much. You know, can they can they win the American regular season again? Can they go down to Clearwater and, you know, and we'll try to stay out of that one place you always make me go to and watch some <laughs> baseball? Can they, can they win it down there? I, I think they can. I mean, you know, obviously they're the preseason favorite, but, uh, you know, uh, like Coach Godwin and the rest of the staff says and, and the players, you know, you, just because your pick first doesn't mean that's where you're going to finish. We saw that, obviously, in 2017. But uh, this team – it has a chance. I, you know, I've what little I've seen, we that we do have some pop. Um, I think you're going to see a little more of a, uh, you know, singles, singles, doubles type team. You're probably not going to see a lot of home runs. But then again, last year, I don't think anybody thought Connor Norby was going to hit 
14 home runs That's right. like he hit last year and, yeah. and hit four, you know, four ten, four fifteen, um, uh, with 102 hits. Uh, but you know, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of a lot more small ball than what you've seen in the past. And I think I think right now there's probably going to be a lot of low scoring games. So you need to be able to. Uh, to you know, to be able to manufacture runs some way somehow, and that's one thing that uh, you know, Cliff's teams have been able to do. I mean, especially when it comes to you know, sack bunts. You know, leading. I mean, I think we've been in the top 15 in the nation. I think three or four of the last five years. Um, so the guys know how to do it, and that doesn't mean that you can't get into one, especially uh, later in the year when it starts to get warmer, airs a little, uh, you know, a little lighter, and you know, you just you get a hold of one. But early on, I think you're going to see a lot of small ball. You're going to see a lot of guys trying to feel out what they can and can't do. And I, I know this, I don't know for 100%, but I'm pretty sure Ryder Giles is going to be sitting there hitting in your nine hole, and he's going to be sacking guys over left and right, you know, flipping the lineup for, say, maybe a Lane Hoover or Zach Agnos, who's going to be hitting in the top of the order most likely. So uh, the goal is, is, is the old adage, get them on, get them over, get them in. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that this year than – than, than hitting more home runs, and I think pitching is going to be a key. I mean, I think we've got 18 or 19 pitchers on the team. You've got a really great quality starter, good starter in uh, in uh, Carson Wisenhunt. You have uh, Mayhew in the back end of the bullpen. you got Garrett Saylor, who's been pitching really well. Nick Logish has been pitching well. Uh, looks like Jake Kuchmaner has been able to change some stuff on a couple of his grips, and he's looked well. Um, and then you've got a bunch of young guys like Atreya Savage, who, you know, had a chance to be drafted last year and said, no, I want to go to ECU, you know, you might see him and a Nick Logish in your midweek roles. And, and again, those roles aren't defined as of right now. You know, you'll roll the ball out Friday, see what happens, and then you start moving from there. But I think there's there's no reason why they can't compete and, and win the conference championship, whether it's, you know, regular season or clear water. And, you know, I think the team's hungry. They want to host another regional and have the fans here and, you know, this year with the way the schedule is, it's a very good schedule. You win the games on that schedule, then all of a sudden you're sitting there, okay, you could be a top eight national seed. That's what we all want. We want to be a top eight national seed because that means you win your regional, you host a super regional. We've never had that uh, here in Greenville, and I think that's what a lot of fans want. And I think that's the next step to the for the program. Yeah, Malcolm, I want to talk a little bit more about that schedule. You mentioned, you know, the weekend series, the conference series, the, always tough in the American. But some of these midweek games aren't like midweek games that they used to be 10 years ago when you kind of get right games where you play somebody in maybe a little bit smaller school. Get right game. I like that. Uh, <laughs> all these midweek <laughs> games this year are teams that are perennially uh, regional teams. You got, you know, State, yeah. Duke, uh, Campbell, uh, UNCW, Elon. You got Old Dominion, which was in a super regional last year. Uh, there's no days off on this schedule this year. No, there's there's really not, and that's one thing I really like about the schedule. And then you know, typically we will play North Carolina as well as part of that midweek. But this year and and moving forward, you know, we'll be playing them weekend series. But you're right, and uh, and then you play a Virginia Tech and Rapid. Last year, Virginia Tech up until I think maybe three weeks left in the season, they were a potential NCAA regional team. So there's a there's a lot of good uh, there's a lot of good teams you know outside of conference that we're playing. I mean, you look at just the, you know, the Keith Claire Classic. You got Indiana State, Michigan, and Maryland. Michigan, I mean, Maryland was in our regional last year. Michigan made a regional last year. Um, Indiana State made one two years ago or the 19th season, I believe. So there, there's no easy, easy game, easy day. 
And then you got St. Mary's from California coming in first time they've ever been come here. They're they're typically a 35 wing you know team every year in College of Charleston. And then you got VCU. VCU was you know for a weekend series. They were in a regional last year. So it's stock it's stacked with a lot of uh, regional teams, whether it's the weekend or whether it's uh, you know midweek. And then obviously we open up with Bryant and Brian Bailey. You know Bailey will tell you. Yeah. You know we played Bryant in the 2016 Greenville Regional first game. I think we won that game nine to six, and it was a tough one because uh, they had a stud throwing for them, and and who ended up being I think a second round draft pick. So it's. It, it's not easy at all. Some people might look at him like Bryant. Who's Bryant? Well, if you know college baseball, you know Bryant's pretty good. That was like that was Charlottesville. Like 10, Ten years in a row. Yeah, yeah, Charlottesville. Char- yeah. yeah. So, so you're right. It's, it's there are no cupcakes when it comes to midweeks, like you said, or a get right game. It's it's you better be right. You, you better, better be, be right. You got to tell Cliff that the the schedule is now called the better be right schedule because you better be right if you're going to play the schedule. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We certainly thank you for your time. Malcolm Gray, Sports Information Director for East Carolina Pirate Baseball. You do a great, great job, and we certainly appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I I look forward to talking to you guys again later on. Sounds good. That is our Not On Your Side Sports Talk podcast. For Jason Board and Ken Watlington, I'm Brian Bailey. Thanks for listening.